Hey guys, I'm Caleb Giddings here for Firearms Industry News, and in this special episode, what we're going to do is we're going to go through Joe Biden's gun control wish list, and we're going to break it down based on the probability that he'll be able to get what he wants for a specific bullet point, and also the consequences for gun owners. So basically how this works is we'll go through his list and we'll be like, okay, Biden wants to do X. What are the odds that he will actually be able to do that? What's the risk to, of that happening? And then we'll look at the potential fallout for law-abiding gun owners. And the reason we want to do this is every year, well, every presidential election, candidates will put out these policy lists, these white papers. It's basically their dream sheet. It's the, if I was elected, here's all the cool stuff I want to do list. And more often than not, they get very little of what's on that list accomplished. I remember very well President Trump's pro-gun wish list that came out before the 2016 election, of which we basically got nothing off of. So that's cool. But what I want to do is we want to put this video out for two reasons. One, to examine the proposals that the Democratic Party is actually asking for. And two, to examine how much of a risk they actually pose to gun owners. Now, there are some variables in play already when it comes to this. So first we have to look at the election itself. The House is lost. Now when I say lost and when I refer to winning and losing, I am referring to the side of our political system that usually advocates against restrictions on the Second Amendment, which would be in generally speaking Republicans, and the side that generally advocates for more restrictions on the Second Amendment, which is, generally speaking, Democrats. So, I try to not use partisan language, but there will be some party, direct party references, and I will refer to winning and losing quite a bit during this video. The Democratic Party will retain control of the House of Representatives after the 2020 election. There are not enough seats up for grabs for Republicans to swing control of the House over to the Republican Party. Right now there's something like 30-ish seats up that are kind of up for grabs that are considered to be a toss-up by the election experts. And even if the Republicans win all of those seats, they're not going to have enough seats to overcome what are considered to be safe seats for Democrats. So. We can pretty much just write the house off. We're not getting the house back. And you can absolutely bet that the house will be the source of all... Uh, I don't want to use the word that just shot through my head. Of all of the bad laws that will come. Uh, our second thing that we do need to look at is the Senate. So in a scenario where Republicans maintain control of the Senate, the odds of a lot of these gun control dreams happening if Biden wins the presidency are very, very low. And we'll go through that when we do these assessments. I'll be like, all right, if the Republicans keep the Senate, what are the odds of this happening? If the Republicans lose the Senate and you have a Joe Biden presidency and a Democrat-controlled House and a Democratic-controlled Senate, uh, I'll just say it right now, the risk of a lot of these goes up pretty considerably. Not all of them. 
but some of them definitely will get shoved down your throats. So with that in mind, understanding that the two big variables that are at play right now are the presidency and the Senate and who ends up in control of those seats, where we're going to take a look now at Joe Biden's gun control wish list. And again, I do want to state right off the top of this video that this is just that. It's a wish list. This is the Democratic Party platform saying, all right, here's what we're going to write in our, if we get elected, here's how we're going to fix gun violence in America. Uh, you can find all of this for yourself at joebiden.com slash gun safety, which I always think it's funny that they use like the word gun safety because we have a very different definition of gun safety, Joe Biden. Anyway, he opens up with the almost 40,000 people die as a result of firearms injuries every year in the United States and many more wounded. That's technically true. However, the vast majority of those deaths are not actual interpersonal violence, they're suicides. Do I think that suicide is a huge problem in the United States? I certainly do, but I don't think banning guns is going to fix that. And there are other people who are a lot smarter than me who have talked about the suicide problem and how to do that and how to manage that and how to make that more effective. And I'm not the guy to talk about that. I am the guy to talk about this, though. So he starts off with that. He goes through some of his past gun control successes. Uh, he helped pass the Brady Handgun Violence Prevention Act, which gave us the NICS system. And regardless of how you feel about NICS or whatever state level background check system you have, those are here to stay. We're not getting rid of those anytime soon. So we need to bear that in mind as we go through this video. Would I like to be able to mail order Thompson submachine guns like they did back in the 1930s? Yes, I would. But that's not the world we live in, and that's not ever going to be the world we live in again, unless, you know, the government breaks down or something. Anyway, so in 93, he helped pass the Brady Handgun Violence Prevention Act. Uh, he, and then, of course, in 94, he worked with Senator, Di Senator Dianne Feinstein to get the 10-year assault weapons ban passed, which, again, to remember that that was passed by a majority Democrat House, a majority Democrat Senate, and signed by a Democrat president. Remember that as we go through this. Uh, talks about when he helped President Obama craft executive actions to after the Sandy Hook shooting, blah, blah, blah. Okay, now we get to the actual policy points. These are the things that he wants to do. These are part of his wish list. And the first one, which is interesting, is... Uh, his bullet, I'll read his bullet, and it says, hold gun manufacturers accountable. Uh, what Biden wants to do here is repeal the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act. The PLCAA, Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act, was passed in 05, and the idea was essentially to afford manufacturers of firearms the same protections that other manufacturers of consumer goods are given. Basically, if somebody buys a Ford and the Ford is functioning correctly, and then they take that Ford car out and they run over a crowd of people or they get drunk and hit a minivan or something like that, you can't sue Ford for that because Ford wasn't acting in bad faith. Now, if Ford sells a 
defective vehicle or if they intentionally sell a vehicle that's designed to murder kids or something like that, then yes, you could sell, sue Ford in that situation. What the PLCAA does is it gives firearms manufacturers that same protection because they are not selling a an item that is designed to be used unlawfully. They are selling a lawful product that when it is used the way the manufacturer says it's supposed to be used, doesn't just run around the street killing kids. So the PLCCA or PLCAA was designed to protect against frivolous lawsuits that were being filed by cities and by other organizations that were specifically designed to bankrupt firearms manufacturers via litigation. And Joe Biden wants to repeal the PLCAA. How likely do I think that is? I give that one actually a low probability of occurring, especially if Republicans retain the Senate, I give this one a, a almost 0% chance of occurring. And if Democrats get the Senate, I still give it a low chance of actually occurring because of the way the PLCA has been written, because it's actually been ruled on by courts who have held up that it is constitutional. So I think we are, we're probably okay on that one, but it is also a very concerning one, but low probability. Next, get weapons of war off our streets. This has some sub bullets in it, which is, we'll start with these. So this is this next bit, these are all quote unquote assault weapon related provisions. So the first is ban the manufacture and sale of assault weapon and high, assault weapons and high capacity magazines. This has been a Democrat wish list item ever since the AWB sunset in 2004. And it is foolhardy to think that if they get it again, they will make the same mistakes as they made last time. You only have to look to California to see what an assault weapons ban is going to look like if we get one. Now, what do I think the odds are of him actually getting an assault weapons ban through? With a Republican Senate, very low. With a Democrat Senate, I believe that this will be a very high priority for them. I think this will be one of their highest priorities is to get an assault weapons ban done. One of the other things in the assault weapons ban is Biden also plans on using executive authority to ban the importation of certain assault weapons. He can absolutely do that, and there isn't anything that we could do about it, regardless of who has the Senate. So if Joe Biden wins the presidency, I would not be surprised to see an executive order banning some of those uh, fun Soviet or former Soviet country manufactured, quote unquote, assault weapons. So do I th what are the odds that I think that they could get an assault weapons ban through? Again, if we have full Democrat in, full Democrats in both houses and in the presidency, I think a new AWB is probably going to be a done deal. Um, and because I just don't see enough blue dog moderate Democrats defecting from the will of the party in this polarized political environment to stop it from happening. And you'd need a lot. The projections are 54 uh, Democrats in the Senate to the to the Republican minority, so you would need at least five Democrats to defect from the party line to keep this from happening, and I don't see it. I just don't see it. Because you know the tie-breaking vote is going to go to the party because it's going to be Kamala Harris. 
All right, next on his assault weapons wish list is regulate possession of existing assault weapons under the National Firearms Act. So the NFA, as we all know, is what regulates machine guns, SBRs, suppressors, and short-belt shotguns. What Biden wants to do as part of his assault weapons ban is have mm, currently extant assault weapons defined as uh, placed onto the National Firearms Act. So you would have to take your assault weapon, and I'm just using their words here, so please don't like climb up in my DMs being like, you said assault weapon, I'm going to say it a lot more. You'd have to then take your AR-15 or whatever they end up defining an assault weapon as, and you've got to get tax stamps, and you've got to get fingerprints, and it makes it so that you have a very hard time transferring that gun down to family members or children or anything like that. So that one is interesting because it actually creates a tremendous financial burden on gun owners, especially people who own five or six ARs, and it also instantly turns them into felons if they don't comply because possession of an nfa regulated item is a felony so what i do think though is i don't think that this has a good chance of happening i think we're much more likely to get an assault weapons ban like you have in california but that doesn't include this NFA provision. And the reason for that is because of the way the NFA is written. And you would have to go into the NFA and you would have to update it, change definitions, add new definitions, and you would most certainly see a court challenge to that change as well. So I think that, especially depending on how this whole Supreme Court thing shakes out, Democrats may also be nervous about passing new laws that they don't want to get struck down as unconstitutional. And we'll get to that at the end of the video. Back to the NFA. I don't think that we'll see successful legislation to regulate assault weapons under the National Firearms Act. I think we're much more likely to get another features ban like we got in 94, but that's, that's much toothier, so we'll end up with California guns and don't really know what they'll do with the existing guns because part three of Biden's assault weapons plan is to do a buyback on assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. Uh, you have the choice of either sell them to the government or register them under the NFA under Biden's plan. Again, I don't see that one happening, but I've also been wrong about this stuff too. Uh, the last on his assault weapons platform is reduce stockpiling of weapons. In order to reduce the stockpiling, Biden supports legislation restricting the number of firearms an individual purchase may purchase per month to one. I give that one a high probability. Uh, if you get, and I see this one getting a high probability as a standalone piece, not part of a larger assault weapons ban, but something where they can say, we're going to do this, it's going to fight crime, when of course we know it won't actually affect crime. Uh, this one has a high probability because this one also has the highest probability of being able to withstand a constitutional test. So now we're going to talk about the Constitution. Assuming that President Trump's nominee Amy Barrett gets confirmed before the election, Democrats will be wary of passing laws that they think will have a high probability of being tossed out on constitutional grounds. With the conservative majority in the Supreme Court, an assault weapons ban 
does stand a high chance of getting passed, but also a high chance of getting tossed. We obviously don't want to bank on the court because legal or legal challenges take a long time to go through, etc. However, uh, I do think that they would have much better luck. Again, and this is assuming the Supreme Court nomination goes through uh, with a law like a one gun per month, because you can make an argument. It is an argument that I disagree with, but it is an argument that exists that you're not limiting someone's access to their constitutional right. You're just limiting how many guns they can buy. So their sort of argument would be, well, we're not infringing your right to bear arms. We're just saying you can't buy 17 guns at once. That one's tougher, and that one stands a very high... This one, I actually think, is their best bet. This one stands a very high chance of passing and a high chance of surviving any sort of constitutional challenge. So that's it for gun control. Next, uh, keep guns out of dangerous hands. This is all part of his limiting access to guns. So they want to require background checks for all gun sales. Again, this would require legislation. This one, I think we have a high chance with a Republican-controlled Senate because Republicans have been notoriously soft in the past on background checks because it's an issue that people don't really understand very well. People don't understand that the guns that are being sold legally without background checks aren't being sold to criminals, and the guns that are being sold illegally without background checks, that's already a crime. But it's one of those issues where their sound bites are way better than our sound bites, and since all we care about is sound bites, that's how we end up losing on that one. I think this one stands a high chance of passage in the event of a Biden presidency, even with a Republican-controlled Senate, because the messaging on this one is really, really difficult for us to overcome. Uh, he also wants to close the other background check loopholes. I basically think that any sort of background check-related stuff, so I'm going to skip over a lot of the background check stuff and we'll just focus on the overarching concept i think a lot of the stuff that's related to background checks is a big losing ground for us and it is a high risk of passing but also and this is kind of the weird part the potential fallout for gun owners isn't that bad because let's be real most of us buy our guns legally we you know or not legally most of us buy our guns from an ffl we go do background checks etc and there are several states where they have 100 background check systems and it's a huge pain in the ass but we've just kind of you know sucked it up and gone along with it and that's why i think that regardless of who's in control of the senate background check provisions are probably going to be an area that we lose if biden wins there's just too much clever messaging from the other side about it and our arguments against them are very frequently grounded in things in complex nuanced understanding of laws of historical infringement of those laws and it's really difficult for complex nuanced arguments to beat good sound bites in this culture that we have i it would not surprise me for some of these squishy republican senators that we currently have to be like yes i support universal background checks and then boom next thing you know we've got a universal background check law because you know mitt romney decided to vote for it moving on so 
just to do a quick midpoint recap, I think that we have a pretty good chance of a major assault weapons ban fight. And I think that we also stand to lose on the background check issue. Uh, I don't think we're going to see assault weapons regulated under the National Firearms Act. And I do think that we'll probably see some sort of push for one gun a month. And again, I think we're going to lose on the background check issue just across the board. Next, end the online sale of firearms and ammunition. Uh, they want to basically pass a law making it illegal to legally to do something that's perfectly legal, which is buy guns and ammo online. And you should know, obviously, when you buy a gun on the internet, we all know this, that it's got to go to an FFL. You don't buy guns online and just magically have a full auto AK show up at your front door, which again, we all know that. But Lots of other people don't. Lots of people do actually think that you can buy a gun on the internet and have it shipped to your house, and that's just not true unless your house also happens to be the address of record for an FFL because you're an FFL. And since you know we're not the at-home FFL who doesn't have an FFL yet, no one's getting guns mailed to their house. This, this one's harder for me to predict. I, I don't think in a Republican... With a, I don't think with a Republican-controlled Senate, this goes anywhere. I think this dies, this doesn't even, you know, I think the House, of course, would pass it, but I think it dies immediately. But I don't actually think they would make this a legislative priority over other issues. One of the things that you have to understand about politics is they do actually pick and choose their battles. They don't just launch everything all at once and hope something sticks they are at least they have in my lifetime tried to be strategic about it and i don't know if this one would be a legislative priority if you look just from reading between the lines it's buried on biden's gun safety thing it's way after and the plc the plcaa which is the first thing he listed and why i worry about them going after that it's after assault weapons bans and it's after background checks i think this one is a tough sell and i'm not super worried about it i'm worried about all of this especially if we lose the senate but this one's not one of the ones that's making the hair on the back of my neck stand up with concern uh next we have create an effective program to ensure individuals who become prohibited from possessing firearms relinquish their weapons this is basically something that this is uh Biden co-opting a talking point from pro-gun people, which is interesting, where many pro-gun people talk about enforcing our existing laws, and we talk about how the problems that we have with the background check system are at the state level, where somebody can get flagged as a no-go in NICS, or they can get a restraining order or a a domestic violence conviction and not have to turn in their guns and again regardless of how you feel about those laws those are the laws and pro-gun people have been like hey instead of taking guns away from people who haven't broken the law why don't you focus on these things why don't you focus on actually getting guns away from guys who beat their wives and stuff like that so it's an interesting co-opting of a pro-gun talking point and it's one that i think they would have a lot of success with if they push regardless of who's in the senate same with the next one which is incentivize state extreme risk laws i think uh, red flag laws are i think more red flag laws are coming 
And in this case, it's not talking about a national red flag law, but rather him using the power of the government to help states get red flag laws passed. I think that's a done deal, and you guys better buckle up for red flag laws across the country. Uh, let's see, give states, he also wants to enact legislation to give states uh, and local governments grants to require individuals to get purchasing licenses, which <clears throat> I don't think that'll go anywhere. I'm not too worried about that. Adequately fund the background check system. So interestingly, this is another one that pro-gun people have been talking about. We know where the where the actual issues are with NICS, and it's with states not reporting things to NICS, and, and sometimes the federal government not reporting stuff. We all remember that guy who uh, shot up the church in Texas and got chased down by a dude with an AR who glacked him, and the guy was uh, had been dishonorably discharged from the Air Force. That should have been a Nick's flag. He should not have been able to go buy a gun, but he was because the Air Force, my bad, not me personally, but the Air Force didn't report that data to Nick's like they should have, and that's not okay. That's one of the things that they do need to fix. Uh, it's something that gun owners have been saying we need to fix. And it's interesting, again, that Biden is co-opting that language. I think that if they went after this, they would have a ton of success. All right, and we're scrolling. We're scrolling. Uh, make sure firearm owners take responsibility of ensuring their weapons are used safely. Put America on the path to ensure that 100% of firearms sold in America are smart guns. That one's not going to happen. That is a wish list item that they have been wish listing for forever, and it's just it's not going to happen. I, there's there's almost a zero percent chance that they will pursue smart gun legislation as a priority. Hold adults accountable for giving minors access to firearms. And President Biden. That's already illegal. Require gun owners to safely store their weapons. When I was researching this video, I was actually surprised that there isn't a national safe storage law. So we could see that. I think if they decided to pursue it as a legislative priority, it would probably sail through. Here's one. Empower law enforcement to effectively enforce our gun laws. Again, Co-opting pro-gun talking points here, prioritize prosecution of straw purchasers. When I ran an FFL, I wouldn't let people buy guns if I thought they were doing a straw purchase. And that's my prerogative as a federal firearms dealer to be like, oh, that's weird. This guy's buying five high points and he's got four friends sitting outside. Hmm. Like something that raises your the hair on the back of your neck, and you can report those to your local law enforcement, and 99% of the time, they don't do diddly about them, and the ATF doesn't do diddly about them. Please, go ahead and Google straw purchase prosecutions. It's almost never used as a primary charge. It's almost always used as like attack on charge, or when it's somebody who is very clearly like engaging in the business of being a gun dealer via straw purchases and the ATF thinks they can get like a sexy high profile case out of it. So yeah, know what? I'm, I'm into this one. Joe Biden, you have a gun control proposal that I'm into. Prioritize prosecution of straw purchasers. Let's do that. That sounds great. Uh, next is notify law enforcement when a potential firearms purchaser fails a background check. This one's interesting because I don't think, I actually super disagree with this one. And here's why. Lots of people fail background checks for perfectly innocuous reasons and you don't want 
to waste the cops time because you know jim charles from connecticut has the same name and the same place of birth as jim charles who now lives in massachusetts and likes to rob banks and hit his wife all right just because you have a similar name people get denied for having similar names there's a lot of reasons that people get denied where they're not actually prohibited persons so i am not in favor of that i also don't think that this is a high risk item it's actually just like I don't think they'll pr uh, prioritize the prosecution of straw purchasers. I don't think these are big legislative items that they want. If anything, you would see something like this tucked into another bill, like that'll be tucked into the assault weapons ban bill that we're going to deal with, and we'll have to fight that out. And we'll talk about that a little bit at the end of the video. Uh, require firearms owners to report if their weapon is lost or stolen. Again, I was actually surprised that this isn't the law already it is in some states i am opposed to this because i think it should be a state issue but also if your gun is lost or stolen and you don't report it you're kind of a dick so there's that to consider now we're going to stop here and we're going to talk about this next one stop ghost guns so ghost guns are 80 percent lowers and i was just talking about this yesterday i think we are going to lose big on this issue in the near future. The California DOJ is suing the ATF to try to get the ATF to change the definition of an 80% parts kit so that it is matches that of a firearm. And the problem with this issue is the pro-freedom side, our side, relies on a nuanced understanding of federal firearms laws to explain why 80% part kits are legal and why they should stay legal. The uh, anti-freedom side has really sexy, like calling it a ghost gun is cool. I know we all laughed at that when they first did it, but that resonates. And especially after the recent shooting of those two deputies in Compton, where the firearm that they recovered from the guy who shot them was built from an 80% lower. Now they have a sexy high profile case that shows that criminals are using these to murder cops or try to murder cops. And yeah, I think we're going to lose on that one. And I don't think it matters who's in control of the Senate. I think high chance we see some sort of uh, executive action, which may or may not be constitutional, but we see something from the ATF, a regulatory change or a definition change real soon or immediately after the election that redefines what an 80% lower is or isn't, or redefines how it is or isn't a gun. Uh, next is reform, fund, and empower the US DOJ to enforce gun laws. Yeah, let's do it. Let's actually enforce the gun laws on the book. Uh, and the last is direct the ATF to issue an annual report on firearms tracking, traffic, trafficking. Um, what they're talking about here is guns walking across state lines so for example are crime guns in arizona being bought in nevada or are crime guns in chicago being bought in indiana and it's an interesting idea it doesn't actually do anything because the atf releases trace data all the time but the problem is is what they want it to do is to use it as a way to create this is part of an overarching platform strategy if the atf is releasing this trace data every year and it's saying that oh wow look at all these guns in chicago that were used in all these horrible crimes and they all started in indiana that then allows local 
lobbyists and activists in Indiana to lobby that state government more effectively to get more gun control passed. So it's not a direct federal law or direct federal infringement on our gun rights, but it's used as a weapon in the overarching gun rights fight. And that's, oh, no, there's a couple others. So some, there's some other stuff in here about the CDC and the NIH where he wants to get Congress to appropriate funding so they can research gun control. That may or may not happen. Uh, this is an interesting one. Prohibit the use of federal funds to arm or train educators to discharge firearms. So this is directly related to like the safe schools programs and things like that where, you know, in some states they're allowing teachers, if they pass a training course, to carry concealed in schools. Uh, as far as I know, there aren't any federal funds being used for this anyway. So this is definitely going to be something that they get passed through if they control both houses because it's a zero effect thing but it's nice and flashy but there can be like we stopped this and then the last thing is address the epidemic of suicide by firearms which i'm not going to talk about because i don't know enough about the suicide epidemic uh, that is a mental health issue not a gun issue so now let's talk about overarching strategies here, and we're going to wrap this video up with a recap of what I think is dangerous and how I think it's going to work out. I think the three big danger zones that we have, assuming a Joe Biden presidency, are attacks on the uh, protection of law, protection of lawful commerce in Arms Act, a new assault weapons ban, and we are definitely going to lose on the background check issue. I think, now, let's war game some scenarios here. So, scenario number one, Republicans retain control of the Senate, Joe Biden wins, and in all of these scenarios, we are assuming that President Trump's nomination of Amy Barrett goes through, and there is a presumptive 6-3 pro-gun vote on... Uh, in the Supreme Court. So we, we have to make that one assumption to war game any of this, because if we don't at least allow that as an assumption, who knows what could happen. Anyway, so knowing that there's a presumptive 5-4 or 6-3 pro-gun majority on the Supreme Court, here's how I think this goes. I think that if Republicans retain control of the Senate, the Democrats don't do anything on gun control other than executive actions and take a swing at background checks and 80% lowers. Those, I think, are our biggest concerns with a Republican-controlled Senate, a Democrat-controlled House, and a Democrat-controlled presidency. Background checks and a swing at 80% lowers. And again, it's not because I think that that would necessarily be the Democratic Party's highest priority, but their internal strategists would say these are the two things that we can message really effectively to the people and that also stand the best chance of surviving a constitutional challenge. No question in my mind, even if the Republicans retain the Senate, we will see some sort of enhanced background check legislation that will also probably take a swing at some of these other low-hanging fruit that they have in here, like 80 percenters uh, and things like that. Now, if they win the Senate and we have Democrat House, Democrat Senate, Democrat President, I think their number one priority is repealing the PLCAA, the Protection of Law, Commerce, and Arms Act, and passing a new assault weapons ban. 
I think those are one and two on their priority list. I think repealing the Protection of Lawful Commerce and Arms Act will be more difficult than they might think, but I think they'll take a swing at it. And I really, really think, especially given Kamala Harris's incredible gun control history, uh, that we will get an assault weapons ban jammed down our throats. I would like to think that the Democratic strategists are smart enough to realize that an assault weapons ban probably wouldn't survive a constitutional challenge. But the problem with constitutional challenges, and here's why I don't think they're going to be afraid of that constitutional challenge as much as I would hope, they take time. Lawsuits take a long time and they cost a lot of money. And in the amount of time it would take for a lawsuit against a new AWB to make it all the way up to the Supreme Court, the damage would be done in many ways. You would have criminalized you know, millions of American gun owners. You would have taken, you know, guns out of the hands of people that use them for home defense, for hunting, for sport. And I think it would have, it will do a tremendous amount of damage. I just, I don't know, man. I'm hopeful that somebody out there is smart, but I don't think so. I think that if they're, if they three, if they get the trifecta and they control the House, the Senate, and the presidency, I think an assault weapons ban is happening. Whether or not it survives a constitutional challenge, how toothy it is, that remains to be seen because there are still places that Republicans can fight to get these things uh, defanged a little bit. You can toss poison pills in there. You know, there's things that can that can be done to fight this, but I am not optimistic. Let's put it like that. I think, so our final, where we're going to end this video on the score sheet is, am I concerned about a Biden presidency? Yes. Do I think that we're going to get this entire laundry list of gun control things slammed down our throats? No. No, I don't. I think, again, in the event that Biden wins the presidency and Republicans retain the Senate, I think we will see a concentrated attack on background checks, and on the 80% lower issue because those are low-hanging fruit and they're super easy to message and it's very difficult for us to intelligently counter their messaging. I think if Democrats control both houses of Congress and the presidency, we will see a concentrated, coordinated attack on assault weapons. And again, I don't know how toothy that law will be and I don't know if it will survive a constitutional challenge, but I do think that that's coming. This is it for this special edition of Firearms Industry News. I'm Caleb Giddings. Thanks for watching.